that's really the turning point for everything that I have. You know, so many people look at COVID as a negative. I'm a big believer that anytime there's great adversity, there's even greater opportunity if you know how to harness it. Welcome to the Get Clear with Crystal Ware podcast, the place where we get clear on our goals, own our worth, and learn to be the CEOs of our own lives. I'm your host, Crystal Ware, lawyer and former Fortune 500 corporate leader who found the confidence to say goodbye to a lucrative career and start my own business. Now I'm opening up the playbook and sharing everything I've learned to get you there faster. It may not be easy, but it will always be worth it because you are made for more. So put on your big girl pants, jump on board, and let's reach for the stars. Are you ready to get clear? Today, we have something a little bit different for all you guys in that we have a guy on the show. Today is my personal friend, David Carruthers. He is a business guy, an entrepreneur, an investor, a dad, a podcast host, author, mentor, speaker. He literally does all of the things. And we have some really interesting questions and things to dive in with him today. So welcome to the show, David. Probably one of the few times I actually enjoy speaking with an attorney. So glad to be here. (laughs) Well, we are glad to have you. So for everybody that doesn't know all that I know about you, you know, give us the 30 second version about how did you get here? You know, what is your background? Where did you start your career? And what led to you here as the partner and founder of Florida Risk Partners? Yeah, so I ran super targets and grocery stores for the first 10 years of my adult life. And anybody who's ever been in retail knows that you can be rewarded financially very handsomely if you hit your numbers, but you also work 100 plus hours a week. And I had a two-year-old son at home who didn't know who I was. And I was traveling the country, working graveyard shift, fixing broken stores, and it opened up new stores in the role I was in and decided, you know what, need to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. So I reached out to my dad, who at the time was the risk manager of a PEO here in Tampa. And the two owners of the PEO had launched, had had a very successful independent agency that they had sold to Wachovia when the banking industry was deregulated for coming into insurance. And they were the first acquisition Wachovia made. They were sitting out there non-compete, but he agreed to take a lunch with me, jumped on a Southwest flight from Birmingham to Tampa, Florida for a lunch meeting, spent an hour and a half having lunch with this guy. He talked me into coming into the insurance industry with everything that he told me, flew back to Birmingham, put my notice in, loaded up my F-150 a couple of weeks later and headed down. And that's like the beginning of it. Everything that's happened since then is kind of a whirlwind. You know, when uh, when I'm in Florida, I don't know what it's like in Texas, but in Florida, you have to go to school for 200 hours to get your license. And back then, you couldn't do it online. So I was going to school from 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, studying to get my insurance license. And then I would leave. And in the evenings, I would go and do plumbing, tiling, and forming of swimming pools at new construction because the bubble hadn't busted yet. So I was on these new home sites, making friends with all kinds of contractors that were there. And I was studying to get my license, was very vocal about that. So I got my license and immediately went back and started writing all my friends that I had made while I was working on job sites with them. And then, you know, over time, my career has progressed. I started, you know, I moved into middle market very, very quickly into my career, Um, left that agency after about two and a half years, had another agency that I was at for eight years with two partners, um, probably one of the most miserable experiences in my life period, adult or otherwise, and finally got to the point where I decided I'd had enough and I left. And in June, of 2016, 
launched Florida Risk Partners at the behest of my wife. She's the one who talked me into doing it. So I was done. I was fed up with insurance. I wanted nothing to do with it. As much as I love producing, as much as I love um, just meeting with people, my, my real passion is marketing and entrepreneurship and building things. And so I had had three different offers from Fortune 500 companies to go in at a VP level of marketing and was ready to pick which one of the three I was going to go into. And Andrea and I at the time um, worked both office out of the home and I was sitting at my computer on the right and she was sitting at hers on the left, have our own little mini cubicle farm in what's supposed to be the dining room of our house. And she said, what are you doing? And I said, what are you talking about? She said, you've been griping for the last eight years that you had all these ideas and all these things you wanted to do and how wildly successful you thought the agency would be if they would just listen to you and implement. Why don't you just go open your agency and do everything that you would have wanted to do for the last eight years? And I have a feeling you're going to be wildly successful. So if your audience is predominantly females, I want them to understand that the male ego is very, very strong. I'm sure that's a shock to them, right? And so in my mind, <laughs> my biggest concern was I don't want to put my wife and my family at risk because I go start something from scratch. I can go into a nice job with the salary, still have a reasonable lifestyle, and w things will go on very, very smoothly. And, and she had better ideas for me. And she said, I, I don't think that's a good idea at all. Now, it doesn't hurt any. She has a very, very good job. She's very successful in her line of work as well. So it was more in my mind that we would be at risk than anything else. But she said, I got your back. Just take what, do whatever you need to do to start this thing. And so 10 minutes later, I had an agency license and FEIN and was registered with the Department of State in Florida. And the rest is history. I started going after carrier contracts the next week. And writing business through wholesalers as quick as I could. I mean, I think I was in business for like 48 hours when I wrote the first policy. So we, um, we move relatively quickly, but I want to be very, very clear to anybody listening that um, my wife is equally, if not more responsible for any success that I've had than I would ever be on my own. I can't do it without her. And I think that there's an issue. I, I see it all the time, right? And I, I see people in our industry post about how behind every good man, there's a woman. And I don't, I disagree with that. I, I, in fact, I think that if you truly believe what's coming out of your mouth, with every good man is a woman right by his side. Oh gosh, I, I'm trying to even figure out where to start because that is so much to unpack and so much good stuff and exactly why we needed to have you on today to hear <laughs> this kind of story. Uh, because, you know, first of all, we're talking about like three pivots and, and that I think is so important for people to see that, right? Like if what you're doing now is not working and not aligning with where you want your future to be, it's okay to pivot, to change. That's not quitting on whatever you invested the time in. It's literally shifting gears. So you went from, you know, stocking grocery stores or um, working and, and rehabilitating grocery stores and traveling and doing all these other things. And you saw that that was not in alignment with, you know, a family life and the career and everything that you wanted to have. So you shifted gears into a totally new industry. And that alone is something to pause and highlight for people uh, because translatable skills and your ability to do a job in different industries is very important. People are often stuck and unhappy and don't know what to do. 
uh, or where to go, but they often don't look outside of their own industry and where they are because there's a fear of like, can I do that? Do I have the skills? I don't have the exact resume points on there. So can you kind of highlight for people how you made that decision, how you, you know, were able to move forward in that direction? I'm one of these people that, you know, I don't expect anybody else to bet on me, but I'm going to always bet on myself, period. Like I, you know, if I win or lose or have a monstrous failure, I want to be the one responsible for it. I'm willing to take that risk because I believe that I have the work ethic and the street smarts to figure my way out of about any situation I could get myself into. Um, you know, the, I've always been a salesperson at heart and, you know, the grocery business was good for me because it was a different kind of sales position that I was in. I was begging people to put a hundred dollars worth of groceries in a buggy so we could make a buck, right? Your average net profit in a grocery store is 1%. So I had to figure out a way to make sure we maintained clean stores that were well stocked with friendly staff. And I was responsible for everything. I was responsible for hiring, firing. I had to take uh, the depositions for EEOC complaints against the corporation. Um, even if they happened before my existence, I was, I, I have been in federal court where, I mean, Winn-Dixie, I don't know about if many people know this and I don't mind sharing the, the name of the company because it's public record at this point. But when I worked for them, there was a point where I had 15 of, or 13 of 15 plaintiffs in a massive class action lawsuit for discrimination against the company in my direct supervision in my store. All of this happened before I was ever, you know, awarded the opportunity to run that location. But um, I found out about it because I had to go take the stand <laughs> and my boss had never said anything. And I asked him, I said, you know, let me ask you a question, man. Why in the world would you put me in this situation and not let me know? And he said, David, if I did, would you run the store any differently? And I said, I guess we'll never know. Probably not. But the feedback that I got from my team was that, you know, if I had run the store, because of how I work with people specifically, we wouldn't have been in that position. And so it taught me that the little things are just as important as the big things. Um, I started every day by taking a lap around the store, making sure that I was shaking hands and kissing babies, noticing who got their hair done or who, you know, who might have uh, had a kid that had a ball game the night before and took the time to listen and hear their stories. And as a result, it completely got rid of any turnover issues we had or anything else. When I moved into the insurance industry, all of my experience there uh, at Winn-Dixie and at Target helped me dramatically because I had total P&L responsibility from the time I was 22 years old. So I, it's not like when I go talk to a business owner, I'm going there to sell them insurance. I can talk to them about their hiring problems. I can talk to them about them, talk to them about training and development and P&L and how to maximize the top line, but also how to work toward profitability. And so it gives me a much more unique perspective, I think, than if I were to have just come out of college and gone into the insurance industry because I have some significant real life experience that has helped me dramatically. And for as hard as it is to start a scratch agency or to start as a producer with nothing and build a book of business, it's nothing compared to trying to run a high volume grocery store. Like I knew that if I could, if I could survive and actually get promoted through in the grocery and in retail sector, that this was going to be a walk in the park as long as somebody gave me a little bit of grace and had the patience to allow me to learn what it was I needed to do and then begin to execute on that. It's tremendous. I mean, and you really did build up that muscle, build up that knowledge, build up that skill. 
And clearly you had the mindset that I can do it. And that's really important too, is having the right mindset to move yourself forward and propel yourself forward. And sometimes it really just takes, you know, uh, I know, I know you're a man of action, but for some people, you got to sit down on paper, you got to look at it. But once you see the trends and how different businesses work and align, it's really not that hard to see how things translate. I mean, you just put it out there in 90 seconds and vastly different uh, industries from grocery stores to insurance, but the skills are often the same and that applies in many different places. So then you worked in insurance and uh, thanks to your wife really pushing you to do the thing that you really wanted to do, you started your own agency. I know your wife works and is very successful, but, and you kind of touched on this with the male ego and supporting your family. How did you, in your mind, de-risk the decision to move forward and opening your own business when you had other people counting on you? Yeah, you know, I don't know that there was ever, ever any real risk there. I think the risk was perceived and in my head. You know, my wife, I think that typically, and I don't want to make broad generalizations. I try never to do that. But I think most of the time, when you look at the risk taker in a, a, a relationship, most of the time, many, much of the time, it's a male. And the females are more interested in security and just knowing what what they can expect. They don't like surprises or anything like that. So I think in my mind, I allowed there to be a bias that I assumed how my wife would think based off my own perception. But I didn't do the easiest thing I could do and sit there and just simply ask, what do you think I should do? What are your thoughts on this, right? And so rather than allowing me to make a monumental mistake and and, and truthfully put myself into a situation I still wouldn't have been happy with two or three years later, she interjected and said, you know, you need to go do this. At the root of all of this, I'm an entrepreneur. It doesn't matter if I work in a grocery industry, at Super Target, in an insurance agency or anything else, I have an itch that needs to be scratched. And if you're entrepreneurial and you feel like you've got great ideas and you're in an environment that's not allowing you to explore those and execute on them at least some level, you're never going to have true satisfaction. And that's why I finally said, you know what? I'm done. I can't work for anybody else again. I have to call the shots. I have to do my own thing because truthfully, if you look at my track record, it's pretty demoralizing to go from being the person who had all of the decision-making authority in every other operation I'd ever run to being a, a partner on a handshake with two other people and never being heard out, never given an opportunity to voice what I thought needed to happen for the organization. And so as a result, the itch didn't get scratched. I left. I launched Florida Risk. And I did do pretty much everything I said I would would have done at the other place. And it has actually worked out pretty darn well for us. Yeah. Well, and and I, I will say that that kind of highlights one of my decision-making processes in leaving corporate America. It wasn't so much that people didn't listen to me. I, I actually did feel that the management around me did listen but in a giant company of 100,000 people, things just don't move that way. I had never really thought of myself as an entrepreneur either, but exactly what you're describing was my mindset in every job that I had after going out of law school. And what I wanted to do is have thoughts that led to action and impact. And it's just hard at a big company. I mean, it's just hard to run you know, that quickly and that fast in a big company. And uh, I realized that wasn't going to be a working solution for me in the long term. 
Yeah, I think the other thing about my story that probably should be addressed, you know, and I don't really talk about it a lot publicly, but the the part of that dynamic that led me to leave Florida Risk was the fact that one of those two partners was my father. And so it's a much different dynamic when you have two very strong personalities, one that's the father and one that's the son, and neither one of us are going to back down from the other one. Um, and I think that, you know, what, what I learned from that, as much as it fractured my relationship with my dad going through that, it will never be the same. It's manageable now, but it's not ever going to be what it was or what I hope it would be. Uh, just because it, it, it's just not going to be that way. But what it did was it showed me exactly what I needed to do for my kids to make sure that that never happened in my relationship with them. And, and you know this, my oldest son is now at the agency. He's now starting in the insurance industry. And it was a very uh, intentional process for that to happen. I didn't want him coming to the agency. And I told him that. I said, listen... I don't want the same thing that happened between me and your grandfather to happen between me and you. We could pull this off, but there will be rules and I'm in charge. I just need you to understand that because that's how this is going to work. And I said, the first rule is you need to go work in the grocery industry for two years because I want you to understand how to deal with the public at their worst. I want you to understand operations and just all of the things you're going to come into contact with. And I said, I'm going to challenge you. I said, because when I walked in the door the very first day with no experience whatsoever, I started stocking shelves. I started stocking shelves on the graveyard shift for $6.35 an hour. And my goal was before this next six-month review where I had an opportunity for a raise, I wanted to be promoted. And I went from having no experience to running a store in a year and a half. And then I stayed in that position from then on out. So Grayson went in and he did. He worked in a grocery store for two years. And I mean, that joker must have had an alarm on his phone because in the two-year mark, he reaches out and he says, all right, dad, it's been two years. What's the next step? And I said, you're sure this is what you want to do? He said, I absolutely want to do this. You have been able to give us so much. I want to do the same thing. And I, he said, you have work-life balance. You don't miss ball practice. You're able to take trips. We're able to live comfortably. You drive a nice car. I mean, he had enough of the materialistic, younger thought process mixed in. But one of the things that I've learned about this generation is they think much deeper than we give them credit for. And that's been a really good learning experience for me, having him here and surrounding myself with his friends. So I told him, I said, here's the next rule. You're going to come in and you can be our content director. You can edit podcasts and videos and learn how to distribute things to social media. And I said, you're going to do that for a year. And I said, I don't want to hear any lip. I don't want to hear that you get bored. I need you to trust the process. I want you to do that for a year. And so he came in and two months in, he's like, dad, I've got this all figured out. I really want to go ahead and start seeing about getting my license. I said, you didn't hear what I said. I need you to do this for a year and we'll talk. And about a month or two after that, we were in uh, Phoenix for the agency success conference. And Grayson was right in front of me registering at the table to go in. I took him with me because I wanted to start exposing him to some of this stuff. And I heard him talking to the person at the registration table, which is somebody, you know, that was that I know. And they said, tell me how it's going, man. And he said, you're not going to believe this. He goes, I have learned so much stuff. 
I never would have guessed, but my dad's got me editing these podcasts and doing these blog posts and all of these things. And he said, I am hearing from some of the smartest people in sales in the insurance industry about all the things that work for them. So when I finally go get my license, I'm going to know what to do before I ever hit the streets. And I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, that's because your dad watched Mr. Miyagi when he was a kid. I understand how to teach <laughs> you through a process that you might not necessarily see. And so fast forward, he did it for a year. And I told him as soon as he trained his replacement, that I would go ahead and let he would be able to enroll and get his license. And so he recruited his younger brother and has been training him. So his younger brother, I keep waiting for the door to beep because he's about 10 minutes removed from uh, being here. But his brother has now taken over most of the editing stuff after schools in the afternoons. And he will end up filling in for Grayson when Grayson moves on to be a producer here in the next month or so. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. And I think that that's what a lot of people, you know, in some ways are thinking about the legacy and the impact that you can leave and creating a business where family, friends, you know, you can work around with other people. I mean, it's great to think about, you know, I'll take less money to be happy, but really what we want to think about is let's make a lot of money doing it, doing something we love and with people that we love. So it's easy to think about building up that that center where, uh, you know, you can have your children working with you. So you've had some lessons learned. Um, you know, is there anything specific that you could share as high level kind of guideposts for other people that are looking to do the same thing that would help them, you know, stay on a, a straight path and, and prevent some of the mistakes that may have happened with you and your dad? Yeah, I think I would I would give some advice from both sides of the table. I think that from, from the, the child standpoint that... Um, you could possibly be a little bit smoother and more patient in your messaging. Um, you know, eight years is a long time to be patient, but you know, I think that I probably, uh, not probably, I definitely could have approached things in a little different way and, and maybe, uh, been smoother in that. I, I think that from my perspective now, though, as the father and the agency principal, the one thing that I always have to remind myself, and, and this is not limited to working with your children, it's it's anybody on your team. I got to make time for people to listen to what they have to say. You know, I'm on a kick right now where I, I'm using the same statement over and over and over again because I think it's something that's relevant that all of us need to hear. But most of us have programmed ourselves to listen to respond as opposed to listening to understand. And that's a really dangerous place for you to be if you're running an organization, especially an organization that you want to take into the next decade or the decade after. The truth of the matter is, the insurance industry doesn't change a lot, but the delivery of the products and the marketing messages have changed over the years. Nobody can argue that. And if you want to be on the forefront, you need to listen to the people that are going to be coming in and, and filling in behind you. Um, I referenced it earlier. You know, I think that we come with a preconceived notion sometimes that the younger generation grew up playing video games with their faces glued to cell phones and tablets and things like that. And, and they don't really know much about the real world and they're not that motivated or that driven or they don't have their values defined or whatever else because God knows we have had it all figured out when we were 16 years old, right? I mean, I had it. I had every answer to everything. Um, but you know, the more the time that I spend with my son, the more time that I spend with my son—not just my son, but all of my kids—but my oldest specifically, because I am around him the most, and his friends. Um, 
you know, the more impressed I am with actually how how deep in thought these kids are most of the time. I mean, they do want to know where they're going to invest their money. They do want to know what they're going to do for a career. They, they have their eye on places they want to visit and travel and they want to find a job that's going to give them the financial security and the freedom and flexibility and scheduling to let them go take that backpacking trip in Europe if they want to or whatever else. And I think that we should let them do that. I think that we need to let our kids explore. I think we need to allow our teams to go out and just do whatever they need to do to feel some sort of redemption and reward for their career. One of the things that we do at Florida Risk is I have two things that are really important to me. Every month, one of my team members gets a day off paid to go do something in the community. The only caveat is in sales meeting the next Monday, they have to stand up and talk about it in front of everybody and say what they got out of it. The other thing is once a quarter, I give them a paid day off to go out and do nothing but self-development. I don't care if it's as simple as laying on a beach, reading a book, clearing your head out and trying to make yourself better. I want them to know that we're as interested in investing in them as they are investing in in coming to work with us so that they have a place that they know appreciates them and will continue to try and make them better and give them the opportunities to do that. Agencies don't do that stuff. That sounds like Google or a software company, right? That's going to have all of these, you know, bells and whistles and employee benefits and you have the stale mail and pale old guard out there. I see these I see these debates all the time. People are talking about should I go to a 4-day work week where your customers are going to be there in 5 days? Great. Well, how hard would it be to have half your staff work Monday through Thursday and the other half work Tuesday through Friday, work four tens, you're going to get as much or more work done and they have a better work-life balance. I don't know why anybody would care about that as long as the work's getting done and the agency's growing. A, a staggered workforce. I mean, that's it, it's not that complicated. I, I was literally talking to somebody about that the other day. A staggered workforce where you know, you rotate who's on and who's off on Fridays or how the work schedule works. It's really not that complicated. And I do think it's doable. I also think what's doable, and I think you and I have talked about this in other conversations, is, uh, you know, having some kind of job share for women that maybe have young children or other things or caring for a, a parent and doing these things and thinking outside the box, which I hate, I hate to even use that for this kind of conversation because I don't think these things are that outside the box or that complicated. It shouldn't be outside the box, right? Like that should be how everybody's thinking. And, and if people, you know, from the Wall Street Journal on down are all talking about how hard it is to find employees and, you know, the great resignation and all these things going on, these are the ways to keep employees and keep employees happy. So if you are an employee, if you work for a company, you can think about talking to the powers that be about these opportunities because I think that the value of people and the brain trust in companies can seep away when we realize that there are flexible opportunities and and we can shift that direction. So if you're not starting to think in that way, you may lose out. If you're one that starts to think in that way early on, like you are, David, I think that you're going to position yourself to get not just the best candidates, but candidates that are going to stay and feel valued, cared for, and part of a team and a family. And that's, you know, human nature. People want that. Yeah. And I want to go back and correct myself because I actually had my schedule schedule wrong. We've talked about doing Monday through Thursday and Tuesday, um, Tuesday through Friday. So no matter what, everybody yeah. gets a three-day weekend. That's how we have it, have it visualized in our heads. But you're right. Like, 
think about this. I mean, just from a common sense standpoint, if you work Monday through Friday, eight to five, what can you really get done during working hours as far as personal business that has to happen? You can't do it on the weekend because a lot of places you need to go are not open. So you're actually making your giving your employees a little bit of a, a safety valve to release some stress if they do need to run and deal with something at the bank during the week, or you know they have to you know go shopping for an upcoming thing for. Uh, a homecoming dress or something crazy like that, you can allow them to experience those moments with their family, but also have the best version of them with you full time. Yep, because people aren't just working people. People are people with personal lives, with things that they need to get done, and they have to get done. And there's also a thing called mental health. You know, uh, it's not crazy that somebody would need a day off to decompress, you know, once or twice a year. So, you know, I would just tell everybody, look, if you're not satisfied or you're unhappy where things are in your career in life or where you're at now, there are people out there thinking about those things. And when you go in to apply or, you know, interview, negotiate a new job, if these things are important to you, take some of these little, you know, tidbits that we've talked about here and figure out how you can implement those in the confines of a greater community. Because I think a good employer really wants this for their people. And David, you are totally on the forefront of that and setting an example for everybody. And I think that's great for people to see that there are business owners out there like you that are looking to do that. One of the other things that you know you are so good at that I really wanted to talk about, uh, we've alluded to it in how you went and started, well, in two ways, how you shifted to the insurance industry and then how you went out and started uh, Florida Risk Partners on your own, but also how you started uh, Power Producers, your podcast, is leaning into imperfect action. I think that's another place that people really get stuck when you know they're trying to shift gears, they're trying to find alignment with their fulfillment and happiness with their life and career, um, and getting stuck on having everything perfectly lined up. I know that I this happens to me for sure, um, and how you have leaned into imperfect action and just really got started and just jumped out there and followed your dreams and your goals. Yeah, I think specifically in our industry, because there's so many things that can go wrong if you do a bad job as an insurance agent, right? And so that's immediately where your mind goes is, oh my goodness, if I don't know every single ounce of every single coverage for every kind of company out there, I'm really in trouble. This is why it's important for the old guard to listen, because that's how almost every new person in your organization feels when they come in. So if you go, if you do go into the insurance industry, for example, just know that there are people that probably already know all of the stuff you could possibly know about insurance and learn from them. But, you know, I joke, there's no such thing as a USB port in our ear hole that we can just plug a jump drive in and it's going to download everything you know. 20 years later, I still learn something new on a daily basis about, you know, the industry that I've devoted 20 years of my life to. And I feel like if I allowed myself to continue to rent space in my own head, I'd still be sitting in the parking lot of the first cold call I was ever supposed to do, waiting to talk myself into knocking on the door because I just didn't know everything. The fact is, 
I have a wealth of working experience. I have a wealth of family experience and real life stuff. I can talk to anybody about almost anything at any time that has nothing to do with insurance. And truthfully, our job's to build relationships first and develop clients second. And I tell my kids, I get paid to make friends for a living. So I just have never, I shouldn't say I've never let it be an issue with me that I'm worried about, um, you know, I'm worried about knowing everything because I did. I mean, it's even in the intro to my podcast, but at the end of the day, we can't have imposter syndrome. We can't sit and wonder why the person that we're supposed to meet with was willing to take a meeting with us when we've only been doing this for a year and their incumbent agent has been in the industry for 20 years. There's certainly no way I could be as good as that person when the bottom line is the person took the meeting for crying out loud. Get in there and meet with them. Like They agreed to spend the time with you. Go in there and have the conversation and see what happens. There's a reason they wanted to talk. We talk ourselves out inside of our own heads. We talk ourselves out of way more business than we write because of that exact, exact thing. We can't worry about everything being perfect. You know, it's interesting because Power Producers was never even supposed to happen. Like it wasn't really even on the radar. COVID happened and that's where Power Producers came from, right? And, and it's interesting for me to sit back and look at all of this. And I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole, but I think it's important for everybody to hear this. When Killing Commercial launched, when Power Producers launched, when I started showing up to get uh, public speaking opportunities in front of um, different organizations across the country, everybody wants to know, where did this guy come from? He's been in the shadows. Nobody's heard of him before. How did he get so successful so quick? We had a guest on Power Producers, Brian Murphy. He said, I call that the 20-year overnight success story, right? The fact of the matter is this. You know, I already told you guys, my wife has a good job. And she was all in for me opening up the agency. The part of that you don't know is that her job requires travel. So while I'm launching a scratch agency, I'm also Mr. Mom, whose agency is based out of the dining room of our home. So for a long time, Andrea would be doing everything she needed to do for work, but it actually hindered me in the growth of the agency because I was beholden to getting kids dropped off, four kids, four schools, four start times, and then picking them up the, the exact same. So in my early days, I was lucky if I had a five-hour workday. And I would always tell Annie, I said, listen, I said, if you would ever just fully commit to staying off the road and let me do my thing, I promise you I can replace your income and then some. I'm just not getting the reps. I'm not getting the activity. And then guess what happened? COVID happened. Everything shuts down. She can't travel. Her company was extremely conservative with how they did everything. And she said, well, big boy, here's your chance. You've been saying it. Go do it. And I did. And that, that's really the turning point for everything that I have. You know, so many people look at COVID as a negative. I'm a big believer that anytime there's great adversity, there's even greater opportunity if you know how to harness it. Great adversity creates great opportunity. I love that so much. And so you, uh, let's just talk about, you are killing it really as a master of efficiency, as Mr. Mom, as in, in a somewhat role reversal and working a four hour workday. And I think that's really interesting because you said 
if I was lucky, I was hitting five. So my my head immediately went to you're working approximately four hours a day, and that's like Tim Ferriss's five, four hours. Very loosely, right? Very loose, yeah. three to five hours a day. It may not even and have t- been four some days, depending on if there were field trips or sick kids or whatever else. Yeah. So th- and that's you know Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. Uh, you know, I know you, you're doing it per day, but I just love that it's four hours because that is so similar to what his whole style was, and when we hone in on what we're good at and what we're interested in, what we're passionate about, how much you can get done in four hours. Well, then you double that to what's most people's normal work day and you create two other businesses. Killing Commercial, uh, we'll have it in the show notes as well, but it's a, 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 it's a training ground, a community for other insurance agents. And then the podcast, which is a standalone business in and of itself, really. So you mastered all of that and I just think that's so, so incredible. So kind of plugging off of that, tell us a little bit more about how you guys, you know, you have four kids, you have two busy careers. How are you guys mutually supporting one another and making that work? Because I think that, you know, for for two professionals, that's the household that me and my husband are in too, you know, and we have three kids and it can be really tough. So when people are sitting back looking in the mirror and saying like, what can I do with myself? How can I make this work? Like, how have you guys been able to really co-support one another in this way and let each other dream big and do the things that you want and love to do? Well, I mean, it's not that hard when you're married to your best friend, right? I mean, to be completely honest, we every relationship has its ups and downs. But I can honestly say, you know, in all the time that Andrea and I have been together, we've never gone to bed mad at each other. You know, we we table issues. We talk about them. Um She's a she's a much better listener at times than what I am, um, and I need to give her more grace in hearing her point of view more than I do sometimes. I think part of it is I'm just so driven that, and, and again, it also goes into my ADHD too. I can only I can only hold a conversation for so long before I'm thinking about like 15 other things. But you know, from a practical standpoint. We have an integrated Outlook calendar. So, I mean, I hate to say it that way, but, you know, we schedule everything. I time block. And that's one of the reasons why we do have time to go do everything. So, when she's going to travel, she'll put her travel on my calendar so I know what I'm going to be dealing with during those weeks. And when I travel, you know, I do the same. And so, by just simply that one step of making sure that all the kids' activities, all of the things that we need to be responsible, before actually scheduled and out there, it shows you where you have to make the more efficient use of your time when that time block is open. So, um, you know, but truthfully, we just started, you know, when we got married, we decided we were always going to be each other's biggest fan. And we've never lost that. Like, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting to see because, you know, I go to insurance conferences and, I see a lot of our peers not behaving in a way that I would condone and I don't think is appropriate. And I, I think that a lot of us get lumped into that same general um, you know, demographic, so to say. And I'll never forget, um, I took Andrea to a conference with me for the first time back in 2021. And we went out uh, in the evening with some people and there were some more people from the conference um, out that night and it got bigger and bigger and things got a little bit more wild and we headed back to our uh, our room and and she laid down next to me and she said so this is what happens at these things huh and i said 
That's why I wanted you to see it so that the next time I'm in bed at 7.30 at night chatting with you on Facebook, you're not busting my chops about why I'm not out with my buddies. My buddies don't always make good decisions, you know, so I'm, I'm going to do this. But, you know, we travel everywhere together. I mean, we literally do everything in life together. And I can tell you, you hear the stories on the Internet. You see the memes about the couples who, you know, they're laying there on the deathbed next to each other, holding hands, and they end up dying a minute apart. I hope that's us. It's a love story. I mean, honestly, I know when you started speaking about this, I could just feel the ooze and awes and the softening of everybody listening because it really is a special dynamic. And just to know that you have that love and support. And I, I've talked to people about that, that, you know, sometimes and we have to step away from it. Sometimes those that really are around us and love us, they want the best for us and they don't understand what our goals are. And that can be really, really hard on people. And you take it personally and it can hold you back sometimes because you want the other person around you to get where you're going and want to just be your biggest cheerleader. But sometimes they honestly don't understand. And so instead of being excited for you, you know, they may have some negative feedback and you have to really remove that yourself from that and find that other corroboration from other people. But the fact that you have that in your spouse and the number one cheerleader and person that supporting all the drive and for you to thrive is just, it's really incredible. And I think that is a testament. Yeah, but there's more to this story than that, right? Because we have four kids and there, you know, we have another responsibility Aside from teaching my boys how to treat a a lady and teaching my daughter how a lady should be treated, you know, it goes into how you conduct yourself in business, how you conduct yourself in the, in the community and how you conduct yourself in home. And it's easy to make a baby. It's not easy to raise one. Right. And you know, at the end of the day, my number one thing, it doesn't matter what I'm doing, what company I have my fingers in, there will never be any job that I have that I think is more important than being a father. And there are too many people out there that don't take that job seriously enough. And one thing I can tell you, my kids will not settle for anything less than what we've set the standard to be. My little girl is not going to marry some deadbeat because she has been taught you shouldn't accept anything less than this. And she's nine and she already knows that. And we joke with her all the time. Andrea has said, she goes, Whew, you're going to have a hard time finding somebody that treats you as good as your daddy does. Man, you're going to have to marry somebody with a really good job. And I mean, she jokes with her about it and Caroline grins and giggles, but she's also right. You know, I don't, I don't want my kids thinking that we don't care about them at a level where we're willing to settle for anything less than the best for them, period, no matter what it is. Absolutely. So with that, I mean, what do you think, you know, you, you certainly have a comfortable life. You you have the material things you need, financially comfortable. What would you say really drives you? I mean, I know you do a lot of deep thinking. You're always looking at the future and what else Uh, So really, what do you think drives you to keep creating and doing more and, you know, creating more businesses? What do you think is propelling you forward when you could just be, you know, where you are and be comfortable? 
Well, part of it's the entrepreneurial itch. I mean, I've keep scratching, but the thing never goes away. I always got, and I mean, it's going to blow your mind because I'm going to make two announcements in the next couple of weeks, you know, that are, that are really going to, a lot of people will be like, huh, what, where'd this come from? Right. But, you know, I think the entrepreneurial itch is the first part, but I'm going to be 50 this year. And when I turned 40, between 40 and 45, I started to come to the realization that I'd already lived half my life. And I get more satisfaction today out of teaching my life experience to other people to allow them to succeed and provide for their family the way that I provide for mine than any paycheck I'll ever get. It's that serious. Don't get me choked up, David. Don't get me choked (laughs) up. (laughs) Well, I'm getting choked up too because- It's beautiful. I think people look at people on social who share a lot of stuff and they think, oh, it's all about them and they want people to see how important they are, but they don't have the benefit of, of my email. They don't know the stories that I get to read. I have enough money to buy anything that I want. I ha- you're right. I have everything, all of the material things I could need and a whole bunch that I don't. But, you know, that's not where my focus is. When I was younger, it was. You know, I wanted to have the 7 Series BMW. I wanted to have all of the, all of the nice stuff that everybody coveted. And there was like a light switch one day. And I just realized, you know what? Life's too short, man. I can't be getting caught up in all of this. And, you know, when you help other people, if you do it from the heart and for the right reasons, it becomes equally as addictive as going out and closing the deal for yourself. I'm at a really good spot in the agency right now. I don't have to produce at all. I'm done. Like my, my, production career for all practical purposes is over unless it's something that's a referral or something that I absolutely have to be involved in. Moving forward, 100% of my efforts are going to be poured into all of the people that have trusted me to teach them what I do so they have the ability to experience the things that I get to experience. And I'm not a selfish person. I give away way more than what I keep for myself. But I want to make sure that people really understand that there are people out there that have a servant's heart and they just want to help other people no matter what. And, you know, I'm not going to get a monetary reward for that per se. I do to a certain degree, but my reward is going to come in a different fa- uh, different form and fashion, you know, and, I'm, and I know that's coming. Uh, that's right. And I talked to my children about that already, that, you know, for me. God sees everything that you're doing and you need to make the right decisions for the right reasons, even when nobody is looking because somebody else is looking and that is the most meaningful thing. But also because you know in your heart, and I think that's also why you were getting choked up too, David, you know in your heart that that is a bigger purpose that you have and that is brings so much more to you as well, more than money could ever bring. And I learned that early on in my life doing mission trips, you know, it was just giving back to other people. And that's a similar reason why I started the podcast. I had lunch with somebody today for real day work uh, reasons. And and they were like, why are you pouring your time and doing this? Same thing. Like, because I want to share the experience. I want to help people find a life 
and a career that works for them, that they love, that that makes them happy, that makes them financially free, all of those things and uh, get them there faster than I got myself there. Uh, And I love doing that. And I love talking to people about all these things um, and it brings me joy. That's why. So I was willing to pay my own money to start this, to create this because I love getting that story out to other people and talking to people like you. So, you know, audience can see and hear and feel what success looks like and how people got there from all different walks of life in all all different ways, because it looks different for everybody um, and what your desires and your goals and everything are. So the last thing I want to wrap up with for you is, um, you know, you've shared a little bit. What's next for David? Is it just to to come or do you have some things out there that you can share? Yeah, I mean, we've got some things in the works. Um, you know, everything that I do is going to be partnered with one of my two one of my two older boys right now. I'm trying to help them get on their feet and get set up with whatever they want to do for the rest of their lives. I have absolutely no confidence whatsoever that Landon will go into the insurance industry. And I'm perfectly fine with that. I just want him to find what makes him happy and have him do that and be the best at that. So, um, you know, he's doing the video editing thing right now and he seems to like that, but who knows where he, where, where that's going to be. But, but for me personally, um, you know, I'm just going to continue to do the same things that I have been doing because that's where I, I tend to find the most rewards. Um, you know, we're going to continue to expand killing commercial. We're going to continue to expand power producers podcast. And, you know, certainly we're going to grow the agency, but you know, I've got a full plate and, you know, I, I'm just, I, I'm blessed with so much and so thankful for everything that I have that, um, you know, and everything that we as a family have achieved, you know, and I'm just, I'm just going to continue on down the same path. Nothing's broke. So I don't know that I need to necessarily fix anything. I just know that the entrepreneurial itch is never going to go away and I'm going to keep trying to scratch it until it does go away. So there's a couple of things that are in the hopper right now. I can't get into those a hundred percent, but soon enough it'll be it'll be pretty public and it's some pretty exciting things that we're doing. But you know, the other thing I think I want to do is I want to you know, if I were gonna look at, at something for myself personally, I, I wanna I wanna travel abroad more. You know, I, I've had a, a really cool experience. I've got an equity position in, you know, the virtualist the professional company that, that's based over in Pakistan, and it's such a joy to work with those people. I mean, they they come every day. We have a, a huddle, like a, a kickoff on Zoom, where we just talk about what's going to happen for the day. It probably goes back to my old Target days where we would do the huddle and the team stretches and everything before the shift starts. But you know, just watching how genuine these people are. And how genuinely appreciative they are for the opportunity that they're given, and and also how genuinely appreciative they are of being included. Right? I, they are a part of the team. When they when I brought them on board, they got the exact same onboarding process that a team member domestically would get. They had the same swag box shipped to them that a new team member would get at the end of their first week they got $100 deposited into their account as a surprise to take their family out and celebrate their first full week of work at their new position because 
I know they appreciate it. And when you do things for people that you know make an impact on their lives, that they genuinely appreciate, the dopamine rush that you get from that is only going to continue to breed the same behaviors from yourself over and over again. And while it's fun for me to do it with producers, me having um, the access and the understanding of how their culture works and how how uh, we're able to help them just makes me want to explore what other parts of the world I can go and make some kind of a difference. Well, you have to do it. It's amazing. It's one of my, you know, that was one of my lifelong dreams is traveling. And uh, certainly I've put a little bit of a pause on that with the kids being at the ages they are and not really having the work excuse to do that. Uh, but I, I always, you know, push people to get outside their comfort zone and travel because it really is life-changing and it's so momentous. And if you have the resources and the time to do it, like just do it, you will never regret it. But I wanted to end with saying, thank you. You know, what I talk to people about often and finding mentor mentorship and going out there and asking, reaching out to people, uh, you know, the worst that can happen is saying no. And that's exactly what I did. I saw in David, he was doing something that I was really interested in. I connected with him. I formed a relationship with him. And I want to thank you because that's part of the reason that I took the step and the action after having listened to podcasts and loving podcasts for so many years and just said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And you were part of the push in seeing and knowing you and how you did that. So I really want to personally thank you for everybody else listening to hear that um, and just you know reiterate to people that I take the same advice that I give and even though I am at a you know healthy place in my career and life, um, you know there are still people that are doing things that I want to do that I need to reach out to and find you know avenues in to pick their brains, to form relationships, to have those kind of relationships. And you can do that too, no matter where you are in life. And I think that is really important for people to see that even people I might be perceived as successful in my life, I am still doing that today. And I do that on a consistent basis. And sometimes people don't respond, but other times they do. And when people are successful, and I think a lot of times comfortable with who they are, they're willing to go out of their way to share a little bit. And gosh, David, you just are the epitome of that. You truly do go out of your way to help other people be successful. And I just wanna personally thank you and sharing your time. You have all of these things going on, guys, he is a consummate entrepreneur and really has so many things going on and sharing an hour of your time today to be on here. It has just been fabulous, full of amazing information, insights for people. So thank you very much. Uh, guys, we'll be back with another solo episode next time. There will be so much content in the show notes for you guys to go over on this episode. Look, everything that you can want to do, everything that is in your dreams, in your desires is possible. You have to do the work, you have to get there, but it's all within you. So don't forget it. Make sure you go after your dreams. Until next time, keep getting clear. Thanks for listening in. If you loved what you heard, it would mean so much to me if you shared it with your friends. Tag us on social media so we can give you a big shout out. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you want more, head on over to the website where you can learn all about what we do to serve and support our entire community. Until next time, keep dreaming big and getting clear. You are made for more. So start living like it today.